Hi, everyone, and welcome to the May 14th, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. As automakers continue to electrify their lineups, it's estimated that about 130 EVs will enter the Canadian market by 2023. But still, according to a new survey, which you can find on our website, Canadians have concerns about range, price, infrastructure, and more. And all those factors, and a proposed luxury tax too, concerns the Global Automakers of Canada, which represents the interest of overseas automakers in Canada. We'll find out what needs to be done to convince consumers to buy EVs and what changes might need to be made to the luxury tax when I speak with David Adams of the Global Automakers of Canada on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Let's start here. Respondents could choose from a list of all kinds of reasons keeping them from buying an electric vehicle, and the top two choices were range and price. Did that surprise you this far along in the evolution of electric vehicles? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's part of the concern, I guess, with the whole um, view of, you know, some in the environmental community and, you know, frankly, some with the government that, well, you know, gee, uh, consumers want vehicles, there's just not enough supply of them. And, you know, uh, as the, the announcement that we put out on the press release, you know, these barriers that continue to come up survey after survey, and, uh, you know, it's it's fine to, you know, our, our challenge really as an industry is going to be ensuring that we've got buyers for the vehicles that are coming to market. So there's education that needs to be done. And then, as you say, we have these um these same issues that come up in survey after survey where, you know, these vehicles are too much or, gee, I don't really know enough about them. And even if I uh, was able to afford one, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that I'd be able to, you know, to charge it um, wherever I want to go and use it as a regular sort of daily driver. Both your group and the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association say more education is needed. I mean, the survey found that just 38% of consumers are even aware that the government has an EV purchase rebate of up to a, up to $5,000. So whose job is it, the governments or the automakers, to educate the masses when it comes to EVs? No, sure. It's a, I think it's a combination of both, frankly. And I think you've actually seen a, a you know, good job by some of the automakers that, you know, have uh, uh, EVs in the marketplace. Uh, you know, um, not one of our members, but, but GM's done a good job, I think, of promoting the the Bolt, uh, Hyundai on our side has done a great job of promoting the Ionic and uh, the Kona. You know, there's ads everywhere, and they've got uh, they've even got some incentives on, of their own on those vehicles as well. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a joint effort, I suspect, in, in getting the the word out. And it's like you know, okay, trying to pick a I don't know a, the only one that comes to mind. It's not one of my guys, but maybe you know I've talked about this example before. But you know, like a new. Uh, Chevy Corvette or something like that, like, okay, it's, it's in the same sort of niche-type vehicle, so, you know, whose job is it to uh, help the consumer understand all about the new Corvette or, uh, you know, advertise it or, uh, you know, um, deal with the consumer when they can't get one if they go to their local Chevy dealer because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a limited sort of production model at the moment. So it's a, that's how I sort of like the EV thing right at the moment that, um, yeah, you know, there's, and frankly, there probably aren't as many, you know, you're not going to see as many EVs on any lot as you are going to see a Honda Civic or an F-150, but, um, you know, they are out there. It's not a question of, uh, of them being available. And our survey showed that, you know, that was one of the low 
in terms of concerns for consumers, which, you know, inventory at the dealer in terms of a barrier to adoption. So, um, you know, I think that initiatives like uh, what Plug and Drive have done with their discovery sector, that's, that's uh, a really useful thing for automakers and consumers because, um, you know, and dealers, frankly, because the uh, uh, consumer can go and drive any one of a number of different EVs. Um, you know, they have professionals there that are essentially, uh, you know, completely unbiased and they say, hey, whatever your preference is, mm-hmm. I can tell you about it. And then for the dealers, it's a convenience because uh, they can just write up the deal and, and they don't need to try and keep, you know, their their salespeople completely up to date all the time on what's going on in the EV world when, you know, they might only sell one or one of them in a blue moon kind of thing. Should more be done in terms of incentives? So should incentives be higher or should more vehicles at higher or lower price points qualify for a federal rebate? And the second part of that question is this, how long should those incentives stay around forever? Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's it's a good question. And, um, you know, frankly, the automotive industry doesn't particularly like the incentives because they, they distort the marketplace. But the reality is that they're a necessity in order to uh, bridge that price gap. So, and that's really the answer to the question. So, you know, we need that price gap uh, to be essentially, um, you know, it doesn't, probably doesn't have to be narrowed completely, but it does have to be narrowed significantly more than it is now uh, before you can take the incentives off and say, well, let the free market bank because, you know, most consumers look at this and they say, well, why, why would I pay, you know, 10 grand more for a vehicle that kind of looks the same as the sedan or the whatever SUV that's in my driveway. But, um, yeah, I know I'm going to get, maybe I'll save money over the long run, but most, most consumers look at it and say, you know, I've got whatever 500 bucks a month to put towards my you know cost of my transportation. And uh, I'm not prepared to pay 750, you know, to save, you know, whatever two grand over the course of the life of the vehicle. So I think these are the challenges. So we don't need incentives forever, but we need them to the price, uh, gap is uh has come down for a bit so you've got this survey and so the question is what do you do with the information you gleaned from these responses how do you put all that to work well i think it's just a further um sort of uh arrow in the quiver if you will to have discussions with government about what the you know what the, the top priority should be and yeah, we know that the, and you probably saw it as well, the standing committee's report on uh, zero emission vehicles that the environment committee, you know, they did recommend a, a set mandate, but, you know, virtually all of the other recommendations we've got, um, we've got no quibble with, they're all pretty good. Um, but, you know, we would say, well, look, let's, let's deal with these things first that are prohibiting people or, or rather being barriers for people getting into these vehicles before we start saying, okay, well, let's force manufacturers to, you know, put these vehicles into the market because there's no sense forcing the market if you're not, you know, people there that are going to buy them. Um, right. Then just have vehicles sitting on the lot and, uh, you know, from <laughs> ideally you probably don't want that. Did anything else about this survey jump out at you? Sure. Well, I mean, the only other thing I would, I would comment on is, um, you know, we saw there was lots of stuff, you know, promoting um, really the, uh, the clean tech, if you will, and then with respect to our, our industry, the electrification of the industry and the federal budget. But one thing they did have in there was uh, the luxury tax. And you know, I found it really odd that there was no exception um, mentioned for electric vehicles. And, right. you know, certainly if you look at something like, a, you know, GM's Hummer, you know, a number of other vehicles that are going to be over a 
you know, a hundred grand. So it just sort of uh, seems to, to me it's like it's contrary and to be on the one hand wanting to support uh, the uptake of these vehicles by providing incentives to people, but then on the other hand, uh, you know, hit them with the luxury tax. So, you know, I think as the, the dialogue rolled out on um, on the luxury tax, uh, we'd certainly like to see an exemption for electric vehicles there. That only makes sense from a public policy perspective. Well, Dave, what is a luxury vehicle? How should that be defined? That seems to be missing from the government's description. It appears to be based more on price than actual luxury, doesn't it? What is a luxury vehicle? Well, and that's, that's uh, exactly the problem is how do you define it? And then the, the problem is, is when you get, you know, one of these luxury tax in place and maybe you have a shift in government or something else or somebody starts thinking, well, really, you know, 100000 isn't really luxury. Somebody that can afford an $80,000 vehicle, that's luxury. And, you know, you, you're well aware of all the price pressures that are, um, you know, uh, hitting manufacturers now, whether it's, you know, again, propulsion technologies or, uh, you know, all the technology that's being built into vehicles for advanced driver assistance systems and uh, and automated vehicle technology, connected technology. So there's all this price pressure that's only going to force the cost of vehicles up. So, you know, um, uh, affordability is already an issue. It's going to become an increasing issue going forward. And, uh, you know, it's the all I guess I'm trying to say is that all of those upward pressures then push vehicles that maybe wouldn't have been in that $100,000 range into that $100,000 range pretty quick. Dave, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Have a good weekend. We reached David in the greater Toronto area. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the Canada Conversations tab at the top of the homepage. It's also where you'll find a link to the survey that was referenced in this episode of the show. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.